Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of We Need to Talk. I'm your host, Melinda, joined by my co-host, Carmel. What is up? Hope you guys had a great week. Um, this week, we have quite a few things to talk about. It's kind of kind of be a heavy episode. Mm. Um, I My heart was very heavy this week, uh, starting with Nipsey Hussle mm. and um, the case of Albert Wilson. Uh, Joe Biden's response, and um, also, if you weren't aware, uh, the Louisiana churches that were, were burning in the last 10 days. So we have a couple of topics we want to talk about. And then, of course, at the end of each episode, we're going to spotlight a community, organization, or person that is doing good in the world. Yes. So, all right. Um, if you don't know about uh, the Albert Wilson case, this case um, I saw on, I think, it was heavy.com or vibe.com, which when I read it, I was so surprised that it wasn't on a bigger news outlet. But yeah. then as I read, I'm like, hmm, maybe I do understand why it's not on a bigger <laughs> news outlet. So if you don't know what happened with Albert Wilson, Albert Wilson was a student at uh, Kansas University at KU, uh, which is my husband's alma mater. I didn't know that. Yes, yes. He is a oh, Jayhawk. Wow. Okay. He's a Jayhawk, and I kind of married into it. But now I'm about to marry out of it. No, I'm just kidding. Because <laughs> I'm so mad about this case. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I love you, yeah. John. Um, but um, so basically, a summary of the story is he met a, he's an African-American male. He met a white female at a bar. They, you know, got touchy-feely, went back to his place, made out. Um, went back to the bar to meet up with his friends, and next thing we know, he is being accused of rape, and then he is charged with rape by an almost all-white jury, if not an all completely all-white jury, and has now lost 12 years of his life. He has been sentenced for rape. Now, granted, if, if, if he had raped this girl, okay, 12 yeah. years is still a long time. Mm-hmm. No, I mean for this case, because I'm going to talk about other cases that didn't get as long as a right. long of a sentencing. But what's interesting about this case, is, and I've read uh, the play-by-play of everything that has happened in court, they found no DNA evidence to corroborate this girl's story. <clears throat> there was no Nothing. DNA evidence. Yeah. And so he was still charged for 12 years. He was still charged with rape, and he was sentenced to 12 years in now, the reason this bothers me so much, and Carmel, I'm going to have you uh, res- uh, respond to this in a second, but mm-hmm. if you don't remember a few years ago, I think it was about two years ago, Brock Turner, America's sweetheart, um, he was uh, charged with rape because he did commit the crime, and he was only sentenced to three months. Now, it, to me, if, if this doesn't scream white privilege, I don't know what does. Yeah, this this is as big a, I mean, there's been several uh cases we can point to but this literally right now in, in this matter of time is ideally what white, white privilege is mm-hmm. to look at if both guys had committed crimes let's just say they both did the act and they mm-hmm. both uh, assaulted these women and Brock Turner got three months and Albert Wilson got 12 years you would say that mm-hmm. but in this case Albert Wilson didn't do anything he didn't do anything he was attracted to a white girl. That's his biggest crime. That uh, and that to me is a, a, a whole nother topic. I could spend yeah. a lot of time talking right, about right. because a lot of whether it's just you know um, athletes, actors, whatever, just black men in general. Um, yeah, it's I, I've heard this before growing up. Uh, to be careful, and yeah. I always thought it was kind of stupid. Like, right. look, you know, it's a new day and time. Interracial relationships are no big deal. Right. We're all used to that. But then you've seen cases like this and several others where a black man is 
charged with rape. And this mm-hmm. goes way back. I mean, we can go way back. And I think you even posted on Facebook about Emmett Till. Um, yeah. This yeah. has happened for decades, for hundreds of years, where black men are accused of assaulting uh, white women. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's, yeah, there was, you know, an act involved and then someone leaves upset about something or whatever. And then it turns into a uh, kind of a vindictive thing where the woman, you know, uh, says he raped me because mm-hmm. whatever, you know, and then even, even in this case, uh, Albert believes she is saying this because they didn't have sex. And there's more um, details of the case uh, that talk about how, you know, he left they were making out. And he admits to all this. He says we're making out, and you know, and then he got a text from his friend where you're at, and uh, he left his apartment to go back to the bar, and they go back to the bar together, and they're holding hands, and it's obvious uh, that they left consensually and came back consensually, but then something happened after that where she and her friends and her cousin, and her family, all now saying this guy raped her, mm-hmm. and. Uh, and we were talking earlier about how the timestamp shows that there was only a matter of five minutes. Five minutes. Between from, the time exactly. they like left. Literally Google Maps <laughs> when you looked at the, at the evidence of how long it took to get from the bar to his home, how long they were at his home, and then when he got the text from his friend to go back to the home, there was only five minutes for anything to have happened at his apartment. Now, not to say that something could have happened. Sure, it's possible. There is no evidence right nothing right the only thing they found was saliva on her body and his body so i'm saying they were making out they know this was going on and that's what he said and he stayed truthful to that he was like yeah he was like you know did you pull up her skirt and like were you dancing with her he's like yeah i kissed her chest i kissed her we made out blah 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 he owned up to all of that right and she admitted to even being so drunk she admitted to that on the stand that she was drunk. She laughed about it, actually, mm. in the court report. It, oh, I know that. Oh, yeah. She said she laughed about it. But then as she started talking about, quote, unquote, what happened at the apartment, her demeanor changed. And I was like, this is just pure mm-hmm. acting. And I think what's so, what's so disheartening for me is all the uh, um, testimonials about Albert's character were all positive. All positive. Super positive guy. Raises older brother and mother, mm-hmm. uh, is an uncle and devoted to his nephew. Like everything in the community, everyone's talking about how great a guy this guy is. Right, right. And even in the situation, it sounded like okay, you met a girl, you guys hooked up a little bit, and something could have happened, and then you decided not to. But that just seems like an average, normal day at a bar on a college campus. And right. now them hooking up and having sex, you know, okay, then you could say. It's just really weird. You could say, yeah, he raped her if they had sex. They did not have sex. Right. So, like, <laughs> are you kidding? 12 years for rape. 12 I, years. I mean, his whole life is, is taken away at this point. And um, I, somebody wrote, and this really, really struck me. Do you remember the book To Kill a Mockingbird? Mm-hmm. They said, imagine being Albert in seventh grade, reading that story and thinking, wow, thank God this isn't, you know, 1936 or whatever, Mm -hmm. because this could never happen to me. And this is so parallel to that story. It's shocking. It's shocking in 2019 that we're still having these situations with young black men going to jail because a white woman accused them of something that they didn't do. Yeah. And I don't know when that'll ever change. it's Sadly. Yeah, 2019, and and not only is this guy getting 12 years, he also has to register as a sex as offender. As a sex offender for life. For life. 
they already make it impossible for young black men to 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 move forward, to progress, to get jobs, to, to work. You know, it, it, and now he has this against him when he actually was on the right path. Right. When he doing actually was right. doing everything right. Yeah. Um, so it it breaks my heart and I truly hope that they appeal and I hope that they can get it tried again somehow and, and have a different jury because I think also having an all white jury with almost all females, of course, they're they're more than happy to send a young black male to jail to protect their, you know, in, in the name of feminism to protect their white female sister. Yeah, I, d- I don't you know? know how they get an all white jury when we know the jury is supposed to be of your peers. Right. So nine women, three men, all white. All white. Albert's a 20-year-old black dude. I, you set him up to fail. Right. So it's like everyone's in on this. And the guy didn't do anything. So then then it, it goes back to like, yeah, do you just not get involved with white women? And that's, I, and that's I, unfortunate I, that it that's would have sad. to come to that because, I mean, I, I'm in an interracial relationship. You've been in an interracial relationship. Mm-hmm. And I think the beauty of combining two cultures and two races is, is incredible. Yeah. And... Um, so it's sad that we would have to think that going back to, to segregation in that sense is going to protect us in a sense, you know, because there shouldn't, there shouldn't be a fear to, to be attracted to somebody like there was in the fifties and sixties. I mean, there were laws literally against interracial relationships yeah. laws. I don't mm-hmm. think people realize it. And it wasn't that long ago. No. People act like the sixties was like 250 years ago. It really wasn't. It happened in my parents' lifetime, your parents' mm-hmm. lifetime, my husband's parents' lifetime. They all dealt with it. My dad grew up in Mississippi. He couldn't drink from certain water fountains. Okay. So this wasn't that long ago that my husband and I could not have even been married. Mm-hmm. So to be in a time where you think you're completely safe to just be attracted to anybody of any race and then have that, that happen to you. It's sad. Now, Cause so your dad's from Mississippi. Yeah. Um, my mom is from Oklahoma. Mm. Uh, my dad uh, is from Wyoming and grew up in Texas. So is this a Southern country thing? Like if this was in California, does this happen? Honestly, I would like to say no. I mean, it's clearly going to happen more in the Southern states and probably going up into the Midwest because their <laughs> just ideals and, yeah. and their mindset is just not going to change. And that's one of those things where it's just trickled down in your family. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if racism is going to be ever a thing of the past specifically in the Southern states. I just don't. No. That's just what their culture is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if this were to happen, say, at USC or UCLA, I would hope that it would be a little bit different, but I can't really say because I just don't have faith in the system as a whole. Right. Well, I, I do know one thing that would definitely happen is if Albert was white, he'd probably be going home right now. 100%. Um, and that's, that's anywhere in this country. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. whether it's Brock Turner, I know there was a case, I want to say an at SE or Stanford where it was a similar situation where a guy had raped a girl. And I think it was like, I think it was SC. It was like near, oh yeah, it was like near a dumpster or something like that. And he assaulted her. Mm-hmm. And I think the case went away pretty quickly. I think he got like a year of probation. That was it. Um, and now we're in a situation where the, the guy doesn't do anything. Mm-mm. Like his only mistake was taking her home. Mm-hmm. And then like, you Which know. Which he should be allowed to do, especially if she's willing. And it sounds like she was. Right. You know. Because no one saw, I mean, if he was like groping her on the dance floor. Uh, I think she was there with her cousin or something like that. Right. I think she would have said something. Right, right. Um, it, there would be definitely video footage of that. Right. 
Um, and if he dragged her home, there'd be video footage of that. Who and who? I mean, not to say it's not impossible, but I think people would have saw if he was like carrying her to his apartment. But like there was they walk, yeah, to her, the, her apartment and walk back. Twelve years, mm-hmm. and in life, the lifetime. Re- I mean, le- registering as a sex offender for life is unbelievable. I it's mean, like, that stigma yeah. on you when you didn't do anything mm-hmm. is, I, I could not, uh, it's unbearable. Like, because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's not even that about rape. That stigma is to pedophilia, it's to uh, necrophilia. And mm-hmm. anytime someone does anything weird sexually versus as well as raping people, mm-hmm. you're now lumped in that same group. Right, right, right. And it's just going to completely keep from, from progressing and moving forward in any way possible. Yeah, what does he do? For, I mean, what what job do you get? Yeah. Where do you live? What can know. you do? He can't definitely live anywhere near Kansas or where he's grown, grown up his whole life. I hope, though, and I mean, and I'm upset that this isn't getting enough media attention because it should, and this is something that we need to be talking about, and people need to know about this because to me, this is a very much so a modern day Emmett Till situation. Mm-hmm. He's alive, but his life is completely taken away from him yeah. because of a white woman's lie, and I hope that. I pray and I hope that it will get enough attention to the point where those um, those labels on him won't affect him because people will know the truth in reading the case and people will do the research to say, like, this is complete crap. Yeah. So somebody will want to to help him and, and give him a job and give him an opportunity knowing that he didn't do anything wrong. It's funny because you mentioned Emmett Till. Mm-hmm. I don't think many people know that story. Oh, yeah. And so I yeah. think that's that kind of... <laughs> It's kind of this this whole nature where a lot of the stories of people of black people being you know dealt with um, unjustly by our justice system, mm-hmm. people don't know about. Right. And now in 2019, it's still the case. And with the proliferation of social media and news, like it's how is this not more talked right. about unless it's right. intentional? Right. And then I hope for him, what happens is he becomes unintentionally a a, a person for us to now like champion. Like he says, okay, look. This happened to me. It gets cleared. Because, like, it's on him now, no matter mm-hmm. what. Even if mm-hmm. he's cleared of everything, this story is now out there. Mm-hmm. You can't take it back. Mm-hmm. So hopefully now he becomes, a, you know, an act, activist for this particular situation yes. where he's going out and talking to young men, like, putting yourself in a situation like me. Don't do that. Here's what it looks like. And um, pushing our justice system to have balanced standards. Yes. Like it's And it's weird to say yes. that, like, you need to treat black people the same as like they're gonna say they do, but it's obvious they don't. <laughs> right. It's obvious you right, don't. Right. It's not. It's not even right. a question. Right. So, uh, well, moving on to another topic that puts us back into the 1950s <laughs> as well. Um, if you hadn't uh, paid attention, this also wasn't in the media as much, but now New York Times has picked it up and NPR has picked it up. But since March 26, there have been a string of. Uh, black churches in Louisiana outside of Lafayette that have been burned down. Mm. And uh, now federal authorities are joining in the investigation, trying to figure out why this is happening. And this is so scary to me Mm -hmm. because if this is an act of hate, it's like, what is this going to turn into? What is this going to turn into? Like burning churches was a a huge statement of the Ku Klux Klan Mm -hmm. back in the day. Mm -hmm. Okay. And the fact that they're all black, churches part of the same parish and denomination is very very suspicious yeah what what is the fbi uh investigating what do you not know like, <laughs> i think that's you know it's so funny for black people and for people of color in general we're, we know racism when we mm-hmm. see it 
Mm-hmm. We know we can see somebody's intentions from a mile away. It's not hard. It's really not that difficult. It's, not it's really not. But you know, obviously, when when law enforcement gets involved, they're like, "Oh, we have to look at the facts." And it's like, you don't really. But okay, like this is kind of obvious to me. It, it, it three black churches are being burned to the ground. I don't think that that's just some mad congregant or an usher no, that is right. doing just this. Church, just church jumping. <laughs> I hate the choir here. <laughs> They wouldn't let me sing a solo right. last Y'all Sunday. taking tides like, twice? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, Come on. So, yes. Yeah, so the fire marshals are like, of course, this is clearly something happened. And it's, you know, imperative that they have to figure out why it's happening. Um, I just, I don't like, think. You know people, why. Yeah, you yeah, know. Okay, yeah. look. Here's the thing. If it was three white banks that got robbed back to back and some brother just bought a truck the next day, mm-hmm. who was the first person they're going to talk to? <laughs> but. Three black churches get burned. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, we need to look at all the facts. We, yeah. need, we need to make sure yeah. you know exactly what's going yeah. on. But look, as black folks, having dealt with this before, we get it. We know. Yeah. We know what's going to happen. Right. They'll right. figure something out. They'll create a story, and it'll be some freaking stupid electrical circuit that happened to be in all three churches, and it just happened to all go off in that same amount of time and burn down these. No one did it. It wasn't no Ku Klux Klan. It was no racist. A white guy coming around, upset it, whatever. It'll be some weird, you know, electrical circuit mm-hmm. that all mysteriously burn these churches down. Why do you think it's so difficult for people to accept that racism and acts of hate like this are still so prevalent in 2019? I think people want to believe that they live in this fantastic country, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. land of the free, home of the brave, apple pie, white picket fences, all that good stuff. And when you start revealing part of your life that you've lived, like I've dealt with this my entire life. And maybe because I'm well adjusted as well as you are, mm-hmm. people don't understand or get it. When we start showing stuff that we've had to, had to deal with, people are like, no, there's no way. And then they make us look like we're some conspiracy theorists. <laughs> we're like, this has <laughs> always been happening. Right, right. They have always done stuff where like, and I know people don't want to believe that our government does stuff or, you know, the medical industry is trying to kill black people or whatever. You can research all this stuff. Yeah. I mean, the Tuskegee incident where they were giving black men syphilis is a known thing. Right. Right. The black wall street was blown up and destroyed Mm -hmm. by retired military airplanes. There's no, you can go and look at this stuff. They killed black citizens of a city that was vibrant and and their Wall Street would become as big as the New York Wall Street mm-hmm. and now it's gone. Right. And they have evidence that it was done by our military. Mm-hmm. So I don't know what it, what to tell you. I don't want to I don't want to scare people and make the yeah, you know the government's after us, but there's dead people because of things police, government, military, medical whatever you want to call it, they're gone. These things happen. So it's not like we're making this stuff up. We're not doing it to say or like exaggerate anything but like this has always been the case Mm -hmm. like you know and i i I don't want to like how should i say this i don't want to compare what we're going through to slavery Mm -hmm. um and as you said you know this hasn't been too long since we've come out of like jim crow and all that stuff yeah where you know we had segregation Mm -hmm. um so yeah there has been progress but people Absolutely. people act yeah. like it's gone. 
Right. Like it's they done. They think it's like, been cured. Exactly. That's what, that's what I was getting <laughs> right. at. Like, oh, right. yeah, yeah, we're good, we're good now, right? No, right. We're, we're really not. They like, think because we had a black president, half black president, as much as I love Obama, he still was half black. Yeah. That that solved the world's exactly. problems. Of now we're, that problems, proves yeah. that we're, all right, racism's yeah. done, right? <laughs> nah. Right. Did you remember during his whole eight terms? Yeah. The racism we dealt with while he was in office, yeah. that proves that it was not gone. Right. Um, but between this and the case we just mentioned Albert Wilson and like you know uh, the guy who walked into the the church was it two three years ago and shot up nine people oh Dylan yeah whatever his name was right yeah the the people that were praying for him that prayed for him when he walked in the black church yeah um yeah. it's and I I mean of course and I, I don't want to blame the president but I'm going to blame the president because he has opened up so I'm, I'm, I'm grateful and I'm also disgusted. So I'm disgusted because he has reopened this, mm-hmm. but at the same time, I don't even think it's that he's reopened it. He's just really made people realize that it still is a problem. Yeah. So he's, you know, allowed, he's allowed this rhetoric to become n- normalized again, mm-hmm. but I'm grateful also because people need to know that black people aren't crazy when we're talking about this yeah. stuff. We're not making this up. Right. Like we've been telling you that racism is still a problem in this country. And now you see it. Yeah, it's funny because I used to always make a joke if I would go out with friends, um, if they set our group at the back of a restaurant mm-hmm. or near the kitchen, mm-hmm. and I was ah, oh, it's because it's me, guys. And they're like, no, no, I'm like, and I was half joking. Yeah. But when it became consistent, they would look at me like, uh, "Are oh, you serious?" Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I again, I I took myself want to believe, no, nah, like I'm just messing around. But then I. I know that's not the case. I know right. I've been with my family when I was a kid and we got sat in places mm-hmm. that no one else was sitting, just random. Like, why is there's one family over mm-hmm. here and everyone's sitting on the other side? I've gone to, uh, I remember being at Albertsons when we left. This was probably like in the 80s. And my mom told me to go get in the car. And it was their way to go get in the car, not like, oh, we're done, but like, you need to go get in the car. Mm. Like, what the hell is going on? And I remember seeing cops pull up and my mom being like, you know, detained, and we didn't do anything but shop. Wow. And I'm like, what, what's going on? She didn't say wow. anything. She didn't explain anything to me, and we just went home. And I remember carrying that memory for years, and I'm like, what? And I remember asking my mom finally one day, like, what happened? Like, why? They thought we were robbing the place. Mm. I'm like, oh, my mom, who just left work in her, like, in her scrubs, because she worked at a hospital, mm-hmm. and me, and you are robbing Albertsons? Okay, yeah, that that happens. Does she that, fit the description of somebody, or she just black, black shopping while black, shopping while black, wow. exactly. That's and so, and I, I, I don't know if I just stuffed that away and just kind of you know whatever. But like, those memories start coming up when people start acting like nah, nah, nah. I'm like no, let me let me tell you this story. Let me let me tell you this story. Then it all starts coming out, and I think because we've also been conditioned to like just shake it off, just shake it off. You're good, you know. We, we can't. We can't allow those things to slow us down, to hinder us. We know we still have to be just as successful. Because we if we react, hard. we're the angry black people. Exactly. Yeah. So we're, we're, we're really just, there's this catch-22. We're damned if we do, damned if we don't. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it, we have to just let it go. And that's why I appreciated Jordan Peele's movie Get Out so much, because The Sunken Place is a real thing. Mm. And to me, mm. The Sunken Place is a, 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 a lot of things, not just um, what he portrayed in the movie, but it's like when a white person has said something to me and I know that it's racist, but you get stuck like 
how do I react? Like, do I react? Do I get mad? Do I say something? Do I just have to let it go? Do I have to laugh? To me, that's being in a sunken place because you're like, any reaction I have right now, I'm, I'm in the wrong. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we're just constantly put in these in these positions and in these situations. And it's it's unfortunate. So I have to, you know, I've taught my kids because they're mixed. Mm-hmm. You know, and as they've gotten older, they look more and more black to, you know, walk you know, in a way where yeah, you don't take it personal. Like if someone says something to you, like, okay, cool. Cause like you really, ha- they have to understand it is on them. Mm-hmm. You literally didn't do anything wrong. Right. Right. So right. you really cannot react. And there's no reason to, because don't take it personal because it's on them. They're ignorant. They're, they have the issue, mm-hmm. but sometimes you just want to say something. Like you just like, really? like, come on. Like right. I, I remember at, at a young age, my, my kid's mom, and then we're at a Carl's Jr. And I got a call and uh, she was crying and she said, you know, um, some older white guy had made a comment about um, these nigger babies. Mm. And I left work immediately Mm. and I said, I'm on my way. And I got there and the kids were good. Um, They were a bit, you know, scared. And then, you know, she was crying. And that was the first time she had experienced any kind of racism. Mm. Um, of course, I told her stories and whatever. And even <clears throat> you know, my mom and my family kind of mentioned, you know, and it was kind of jokingly like, get ready for this, get ready for that. But that was the first time. Right, right. And I told her, like, look, uh, let's just pray for the dude. Um, it's, it's, it's not our issue. It's his. And she looked at me like, what? Like, you're not going to do anything? Mm-hmm. I'm like, what can I do? Right. I certainly can't go beat up an old white dude. You'll be in jail in I'm a minute. Be done, right, Never done. see your kids again. Never see him again. Right, right. Um, I can't get mad and show that example to the kids. Right, right. And right now, the only person that needs to be, you know, comforted is you three. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like, no, I'm good. And then I think she, in a, in a flash, saw my whole life. Mm. Like, that's what you have to do on a daily basis. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, yeah, pretty much. And I, I'm conditioned to do it now. You know, I'm built for it. Um, whether it's, you know, cops or a job or whatever. Yeah, you, you get looked at differently. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that'll happen. So when you're mentioning Trump, I feel like that is, has always been there, mm-hmm. but now people are starting to see it because those people are emboldened to know. Yes. Oh, 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 we can be, we can talk about this now. Oh, I can show people how I really feel right, because right. Trump's doing it. Okay. Yep. Yeah, here, and now here it comes. So no, it's, it, it's not something that's not been there. It's now just been unveiled because the president's like, yeah, let's do this. Let's, yeah. let's act, let's act crazy. Let's talk crazy. Yeah. Now the crazy's coming out. Mm-hmm. So, Completely agree. Completely agree. So when we, with these cases, like with Albert and, and with the churches burning and just this rhetoric and this vernacular that's happening in the country right now, if people of color tell you something, <laughs> if people of color tell you something, believe them. Please. Believe them. Because we're not just talking to hear ourselves. Mm-mm. Okay? Because we, we talk amongst ourselves all the time. We don't need to hear us, our voices anymore. Right. We, need, we need non-people of color to hear our voices so yeah. please 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 listen and i think this is not only for black folks um but for mexicans mm-hmm. and especially the arab community yes um, yes because i think you know we've kind of for a while we're, we're saying that arabs were taking over because they were getting so much racist hate mm-hmm. um and so they were like the new black folks and it was like i have a lot of great arab friends and they couldn't be the most nicest peaceful people yeah absolutely and um i remember talking to my mom watching the news one day and she was like oh my God, you know, be careful about your Arab friends. Like, you know, you never know what they're into. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, I mean, look at this. And so she's pointing at something on the news. Mm-hmm. 
and then telling me to be careful. And I'm like, uh, they're like family to me, mom. Like, what, what, what are you talking about? Like, well, you, you don't know what they're into. So I said, no, actually, I do. And I'm like, are you going off something you're watching on the news? Mm. And she's like, well, you know, this is out there. And I'm like, no, it's not. Um, I said, have you really ever been threatened by an Arab? She's like, no. <laughs> I said, okay. And she goes, you know, actually, I used to work with uh, a girl. She was Arab, and she had the thing on her head, a hijab. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She was so sweet. I'm like, oh, okay. So your actual experience of one was really sweet. Right. But you're now telling me to be careful because something you've seen on the news that mm-hmm. you have not experienced. And she's like, oh, well. Uh, uh. I mean, that's that's the whole point, Mom. Exactly. So what you really have experienced exactly. has not been what you've seen on the news. Yeah. So don't base your whole opinion off something you've not experienced versus what you actually have. Right. Which is so weird. Like, this is what you've really gone through with these mm-hmm. people. Mm-hmm. But you're looking at something else and now creating this narrative that's not yours. So, like, them too. When Arabs, Mexicans, but when we're telling you people who do care, when there's white folks out there who do want to know, who do want to understand. Like for sure. For at sure. these panels, you, you know, you've hosted mm-hmm. at, uh, at, her, at your church. Mm-hmm. Like, they're very interested in understanding our plight. So on just like a regular basis, you know, if we're just hanging out chilling and you ask a question or we see something, or we explain something to you. Um, it's not it's not a conspiracy. Right. <laughs> it's, it's, <laughs> Plain and simple. It's not a conspiracy. Plain guys. and simple. Um, so I want to shift gears a little bit and um, I want to talk about the response that Joe Biden gave to the allegations that were uh, pinned against him this past week. Uh, Lucy Flores was the main woman that came forward and there were two others apparently that came forward with also um, stories and um, uh, accusations against him that he's very touchy feely and he made him uncomfortable, made them uncomfortable, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, of all of this, you know, the whole Me Too movement and Time's Up and all of that and all of the responses and apologies that I've seen from men that have been accused, I can say by far that Joe Biden's was the most sincere and the most honest and the one that I truly believed because I just think in watching his his life trajectory and, and everything that he's done as a politician and as a human being, I truly believe he's always had the best of intentions. Yeah. Hundred percent, and he said something in in his uh, in his video in in his apology that he said, you know, I realize that social norms are changing, and that's on me to to adjust to. And I found it interesting that on Twitter, because I'm I'm on Twitter all day every day, and um, I found it interesting that people had. It took issue with him saying social norms are changing. And some of the response to that was that, oh, well, you know, social norms aren't changing. The only thing that's changing is that women are now uh, comfortable speaking up, which is true, which yeah. is very true. Yeah. A lot of women are, are are very encouraged by this whole movement. You know, she's speaking up. I can speak up and that will help her speak up. Yeah. I get it and I love it. Mm-hmm. I love this domino effect that people, that women specifically, aren't afraid to speak up now. However. However. There is no, there's nothing wrong with him saying that social norms are changing because social norms have changed. They are, have changed greatly. Like, it's like, it, it, it's so, so funny that we get upset when someone says what's happening. It's the truth. 100%, it's literally the truth. 100%. Like, things are different. I mean, like. <sighs> if you think about hippies, for example, mm-hmm. they were so touchy-feely, so lovey, huggy. Now, if somebody was a hippie like that, you're like, that person's weird. That's weird. like, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And also, I think that people don't realize that because we are so um, uh, social media obsessed and that our interactions with people are now reduced to our cell phones, mm-hmm. that we don't really know how to interact I- with people in person anymore. Right. 
Right. You know, I had someone tell me on Twitter that because after my shows, for example, I hug everybody and say, thank you for coming. If they mm-hmm. stay after to talk to me or whatever, that they literally told me that I should ask every single person if it's OK that I hug them. Because they may not wow. be a hugger and it may make them uncomfortable. And I'm like, and they're like, it takes less than two seconds. Be that as it may. I'm clearly just showing you that I'm grateful that you showed up to support me in my art. Yeah. So I'm going to hug you. Yeah. If you're not a hugger, I'm sorry. First of all, this is my show. Right. <laughs> Hugging you at the end of my show is part of my show. You know? You're going to get this hug. And so I'm like, that. and so somebody came to my defense and was like, you saying that is proving that social norms are changing. Yes, exactly. Exactly. So there's nothing wrong with him saying there's nothing wrong with admitting that social norms are changing. There's nothing wrong with him saying that. But I don't know necessarily in in those situations if the social norm that's changing is necessarily a good thing because I think it's completely making us um, void of what normal human inter- interaction is. Yeah, and it's funny because we call like even a gentleman being a gentleman to a woman, we call it old-fashioned. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's old fashioned. Mm-hmm. So, like opening a door or, you know, leading a woman up the stairs or down the stairs or whatever. Like, or people don't even know that when a man and a woman are walking down the street, the man's supposed to be on the outside to protect her from the street. Mm-hmm. People think that's weird. Like, what? Right. Why would you do that? Like, that's, that used to be a norm. Mm-hmm. That used to mm-hmm. be a norm. Now it's not. Now it's like, oh, I can open the door myself. Right. Right, I don't need you to do that. Like, <laughs> okay, right. I, I get it. Right. Cool. You know, even if like a, a man and a woman go out, it's not even a date, whatever. And the man goes to pay, it's like offensive. Yeah. I'm like, what? I was just raised that way. Like, right. Even if I'm not interested in you, if it's just a lunch date, like I, whatever, the man, I, I'm just conditioned to pay. Right. My mom taught me that. Mm-hmm. So if that's old fashioned, that's a norm that has now changed. Right. So looking at Joe Biden and watching his video, it just looked like he just looked like, uh, okay, I, I, I. I honestly didn't think that was a problem. Mm-hmm. And he's been doing that for years. Yeah. And what's funny is it wasn't just women. He talks to everyone like that. Gets in their face. He grabs guys. He's in their ear. Like, he's just a very intimate person. Mm-hmm. So when you're watching that video, he's like, look, I, things are changing. I get it. I'll, I'll I'll do better. It was a very, like, candid video. And sincere. I thought sincere. it was didn't so sincere. Didn't seem rehearsed at all. He right. just was, like, off the top. Like, I just didn't think that was an issue. And now this is coming out. And, like... I would have been okay if he didn't even say anything because I honestly I just think what she's saying is kind of just over the top. But again, he kind of <laughs> has to. He has to now in this day and age. He has to say something. Yeah. And the way he said it, I was like, yeah, I believe that. Right. I, honestly, it made me feel more confident about Joe as a person. Like, I, I, I would vote for Joe mm-hmm. just because he the way he approached that video. I'm like, I don't know much about his politics or policy, but as a person, I'm like, that's kind of how I would have felt. Yeah. Like, right. If I was like, you know, like you said, if you're hugging people at your show and someone like said you know melinda assaulted me like like what like really like now you, you would have to create a video like right, that or like right. if i was in that situation like joe was i think i would have said the same things in that video like i i felt him 100 percent. so it's weird when in this day and age when we do say how things are we we bring him to the forefront he says social norms have changed i think people who get offended by that are like the kind of person that wants to be able to be offended. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Like mm-hmm. I want to be able to say something against you. Like I yes. want to be able to be angry. I want to be able to, and you can be angry all you want. You can say what you feel like, but like, why do you have to go that? Like, why do you want to be confrontative? Like, right. I, I don't right. understand that. Right. That, that, that attitude that's so prevalent on social media. It's, there's a couple things. One, we're just in a very hypersensitive time for some reason. Mm-hmm. 
And I think you hit the nail on the head and was like, this person just wants to be offended because for me, and I was asking questions and I try to dive in uh, deeper with some of these people that had problems because I'll engage with anybody on Twitter and I want to understand why people think, but I've just come to the conclusion that people like that, nothing will please them. Nothing. It doesn't matter because I was saying, if he said, I'm sorry, I did this, Mm -hmm. that would have been an admission on his part. And Mm -hmm. then be like, see, she was right. He did Mm -hmm. it. If he said, I'm sorry, I made you feel that way, be like, well, it's not that just that you made her feel that way, it's that you did it. So <laughs> nothing that he would have said would have satisfied them. Right. And that happens with, you know, all of all of these people that come forward with apologies with anything that they've done to offend anybody in their lifetime, whether it's recent or in the last 20 years, no apology is ever good enough. So I, I just don't know what these people want. Right. I don't know what they want. They, But it's what you said. They just want something to be offended by and they just want something to be upset by and something that they can just, you know, bitch about for lack of a better word. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's, that's it. You know, that's literally it. And um, that makes them feel better. Okay. But I Whatever. think, I personally think that, and I hope that this doesn't really affect Joe Biden. I mean, here's the thing. He hasn't even announced that he's running. And they're already trying to like, right? do a smear just campaign get this against him. Before Joe even gets like, out there. He hasn't even announced anything. Nothing. You're already trying to, to stop it from happening. And I truly believe he's the one person that could beat Trump. Um, but they're, it's like, they're not going to let it happen. Um, so uh, I, I think it, it, he's very correct in saying that social norms have changed. And I'd obviously be interested to hear what you guys think as far as if you think that social norms have changed and what social norms you think have changed. I mean, just, I mean... It was a social norm to not have black people drink from a water fountain as white people, and that's changed. So mm-hmm. I think we need to yeah, admit that <laughs> things are changing. Yes, yes. Um, so last week, it was it was a crazy, crazy Sunday because literally after we finished recording mm. uh, our podcast for you guys, that's when we got the news that Nipsey Hussle uh, had been shot and killed. Yeah. And uh, I, I I didn't know much about Nipsey's music. I knew about him as the person, and I knew he was dating Lauren London. And I just knew that he was making huge waves in the community. Mm-hmm. And if, if you don't know much about him, I mean, he truly was putting his money <laughs> yeah. in back into his community. He was he was doing so much good for where he came from. It was unbelievable. I mean, you know a lot about Nipsey, so I'm gonna have yeah. you um, kind of go off about this. But it was very very sad to see. <laughs> you know, there were a lot of conspiracies surrounding how and why he was killed. But we later found out the his uh, killer's name was Eric Holder, who mm-hmm. was in his circle and. and uh, was apparently a known snitch, and mm-hmm. um, Nipsey didn't want him in that area. He didn't want that bad energy where the, his his family and his friends were, and because of that, he was upset, and he came back and killed him. Yeah. Um, and what I think is so beautiful is that Bloods, Crips, law enforcement, families, young and old, all came together to celebrate this human being, yeah. mm-hmm. and you have to know that you left a legacy in your 32 years of life for everybody to truly unify to come together to mourn your death. Yeah, I think, yeah, no one really, I, I think a lot of people don't know him, uh, as you said, as, mm-hmm. as as well as they should. Mm-hmm. Um, as an artist, he was just peaking, you know, and his latest album, Victory Lap, was nominated mm-hmm. for a Grammy. And I think for L.A., um, I think why the outcry is so powerful and so loud is that we've had black leaders and black activists and black champions um, from other parts of the country. Like uh, MLK is not from LA. Uh, Malcolm X was from New York. Tupac, Mm -hmm. 
um, is from New York, moved to Oakland. Black Panther's from Oakland. Mm-hmm. Nipsey was Inglewood. He mm-hmm. was from L.A. This this guy was truly doing all the stuff we wanted our leaders to do. Mm-hmm. Um, every dollar this guy got, he was putting him right back into the community. Um, his store, his in a nutshell, Nipsey used to sell T-shirts on the corner of Slauson and Crenshaw and was constantly harassed by police and the people who who owned the storefronts there. And him and his brother would just come right back and just go back to selling these T-shirts. So now, fast forward, Nipsey now owns that very strip mall. (laughs) The strip mall where he hustled and sold these T-shirts, he now owns, opened a store in that strip mall. And now that's the same strip mall on which he died. Mm -hmm. And it's just so sad to hear and see someone who was affecting so many people. I mean, like you mentioned, Crips, Bloods, law enforcement. There's a story of uh, a cop who, um, when he got the news, just started breaking down, Mm. like in tears, because he he knew what Nipsey went through. He knew that struggle and how that guy came up and how he was doing so well. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, you know, we've had a lot of actors and actresses and, you know, entertainers who who get big. And, yeah, they do a little bit. Charities here that... Nothing like Nipsey. Mm-hmm. Nothing like this. I mean, from schools, he had had a, a STEM school he created. Yeah, he had, yeah. Uh, he and everyone he on that block he employed, like he was giving jobs to everybody. Um, he was changing the face of that community completely, mm-hmm. completely. And it, it was not just lip service. Like the, uh, the also the story is that he, when the reason why he was at the store that day was he was picking up a bunch of clothes to take to someone who needed clothes. Mm. So it's like even in doing good, he, you know, that very day, his life is taken, and it's sad because I know a lot. Like you mentioned, a lot of conspiracy theories out there, but regardless of any of that, the dude is gone. Yeah, and I think, I think hopefully, what's going to happen is this is going to bury a lot of other Nipsies and a lot of people who are going to do and carry his legacy. Yes, yes. And I know it's been like Nick Cannon's been talking about it, and LeBron's been talking about it. It all, everyone's talking about picking up the stuff he did and, and doing more. So I, I would hate to have to be that in his death, you know, um, he's blossoming bloom more for yeah. us to, to see and smell yeah. his, his, you know, the aroma that he was carrying in such a small community. Now it's bigger on a broader stage, but hopefully that's what we can get from that. Yes. Uh, you know, his Lauren and his two kids are the father. Um, but, you know, now also, I guess, U.S. congressional record is taking in um, all his work and going to, you know, um, commemorate that mm. and the LA is doing that so they want to there's, there's talk about n- renaming Crenshaw or Slauson to Nipsey Hussle Boulevard uh, um, wow. so there's a lot going on and, and me personally you know I, I've known a lot of people around Nipsey mm-hmm. and um, it was it was tragic for me because that day I just talked about him the day before mm. about trying to do some uh, a collaboration with him because Nipsey was a big tea drinker yeah, yeah. and Black Bridge about to release a tea and uh, someone said, oh, man, Nip would be all about this, you know, black-owned tea company. And so we started working on some stuff to present to him. And the next day, he's gone. Yeah. So um, my heart's been heavy since that day. And, like, everyone I've known around him and just talking to different people, they're just like, uh, you know, it's just so, like, mind-numbing. Like, yeah. that this cat is j- gone. Like, it, yeah. it's crazy because even that day, like, when I was on IG and I saw it, there was a lot of pictures of Nipsey as I'm scrolling up. But this wasn't uncommon because, you know, his album was doing so well and he's right, putting exactly, together all these videos. Exactly, and yeah. I just kept seeing a lot of Nip stuff anyway. But this day, I'm like, what? Like, 
like what's happening today like what's what, what's about to come out and then i see i think tmz was the first one i saw that that uh pronounced him dead and i was just like like my whole you know you have the time where things just get small yeah and it, it just shrinks and i'm just yeah. like what and i i just could not believe it and still even now as i say it now it just it doesn't make sense to me um so i i mean we'll see here more with the case and things that are coming out but it, it, again at the end of the day none of that really matters so i just hope that like you said that more nipsies are birthed from this situation mm-hmm. so that his death won't be in vain and i i think that as people start to do the research about him and see just what he was doing and what he was accomplishing, they'll realize that it is possible to, to come from that area and become a role model, you know? Yeah. Um, so rest in peace, Nipsey. Um, and if you don't know much about him, do your research, really, really look him up and see what he was doing because you will have, um, you'll get a, a really nice glimpse into the man that he was and what yeah. he was trying to accomplish in the area. All right, so before we leave today, we're going to spotlight a organization, community, or person that we feel is doing good in the world. So Carmel, who do we got this week? This week, we have Jug Life. Jug Life is a charity uh, started by JaVale McGee of the Los Angeles Lakers uh, that brings um, clean water to different places. Awesome. Um, Jug Life brings awareness to the human need for water around the world and the lifestyle that clean drinking water can provide from gathering water at a well in Africa to running the court in LA. Water is what unites all of us in health. So Jug Life emphasizes the need to appreciate, conserve, promote water as to living a successful life. And I know JaVale has done a lot where he's gone out to different parts of Africa and brought um, literally gallons, thousands of gallons of water uh, to people out there. So go on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter at Jug Life and, uh, and support. Wonderful. Well, again, we thank you for joining us this week for another episode of We Need to Talk. Make sure you like, comment, subscribe, and share. And if there's anything that you think we need to talk about, make sure you send us a message or a tweet or a comment or anything. Hit and up. Hit us up. Yeah. All right. Have a great week, you guys. Y'all be good. Bye. And this episode of We Need to Talk is brought to you by Black Brew, the darkest, richest, boldest coffee anywhere.